I uh, want to share a few thoughts with you that I think would be a, at least I hope it's a blessing. You know, the thing about the Bible is that it, um, we know it's to the whole world. And that there is a God that created the whole world. But I'm also glad that I know God personally. I mean, I have great expectations for everybody doing all kinds of things. And I'd love to see everybody go to heaven. But I will tell you this. Out of everybody in the world, I'm glad I'm going. I am glad Yankee Arnold is going to heaven whenever he dies. Now, I would love for y'all to go. But if y'all choose not to go, that's between you and God. But I done made up my decision. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I know I have eternal life. That, that's a personal thing that I had to tell. And you couldn't make up that decision for me. I had to do it. Now, when it comes to serving the Lord, there were many times that uh, Christ would say something a little on the hard side for the people to understand. So many people just uh, up and walked away. Multitudes left him. You read John chapter 6. So he looked at his disciples. He says, will you also go away? Well, why did he ask a question like that? He ought to know he didn't predetermine that they had to serve him. I mean, if you believe in perseverance of the faith, they had to. They didn't have a choice. But they did have a choice. He says, will you also go away? And Peter spoke up and says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So I'm glad that there's a lot of other people who know the Lord and I'm glad that there are some people who make up their mind to serve the Lord. But I'm glad I've made up my mind to serve the Lord. Because he's not only my Savior, he's my friend. And I believe that um, he's more precious to me than anything else in the world. So I've got a life to live. And everybody's got a life to live. I didn't ask to be alive. But he created me and put me here in this world just like he did everybody else. But I, I don't want to live your life. I want to live my life. I want God's will for my life. I don't want your will for my life. Because, see, it's a personal thing. As you read the scriptures, you'll find out there's a lot of scriptures that talks about these personal decisions that we make and our personal accountability that we have to the Lord. Let me read this to you. In God's great wisdom, he has given his people the inspired word of God. We call it the Bible. It is said to be a lamp unto our feet and a light on the pathway. In it are great treasures of spiritual blessings and knowledge, revealing to mankind the way to God and the ways of God. It is heavenly manna for the soul and a balm for troubled hearts. Furthermore, it is said to make one wise unto salvation. We believe it to be the very word of God, inspired and infallible in all of its ways and everything that it says. Its pages contain many words of exhortation, instruction, and inspiration, hardening the reader. Gratefully in the distress of one's soul, relief and comfort are to be found as well. The psalmist declared that the entrance of God's word bringeth light, bringing understanding to the simple. Many are the witnesses to the inspiration that's found in the Word of God. I don't care how low you may get at times, how bad things may seem to be. If you really know and believe that the Bible is true, you know that whenever you get to the place where you just don't know what to do, he says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
And we know that all things can be provided. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But your walk with the Lord is a personal thing, and nobody can do it for you. And also, I wanted to share this with you just a little bit more. He said, it is said that one of the most comforting and inspirational portions of Scripture is the book of Philippians. I preached from the book of Philippians many, many times. Because remember, he was in jail when he wrote the book of Philippians, and he's encouraging everybody. One author has titled his commentary, Be Joyful. Paul, the author, was a perennial optimist, and that is seen throughout the book. For although he was in prison, he could say, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Many have turned here for comfort and inspiration in distress and found relief. For it is written, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You ever heard those verses before? So regardless of what people say and do, regardless of how things are going in this world, none of it really matters if you stay close to the Lord. Because you can just trust him. And don't have to worry about it. I am not worried about North Korea. I'm not worried about Iran. I'm not worried about the Muslims. And I'm not worried about the devil. Because I don't care whatever it is. Whenever I die and if they take my life. I'll live again. I'm going to live until I die and then I'm going to live forever. And that gives you great hope and joy in the days that you do live. So that we don't have to have the world or the devil or anything about, you know, what's going on in the world and all the problems that there may be so disappointing and discouraging us that we just can't seem to face today. Can't face tomorrow. What kind of a God do we have? Did he get sick and fall off the throne? God is alive and well. Here are some of the most comforting and reassuring words to be found in any language. A man's character may be known by the places he delights to frequent. Can he say, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. You ever heard that before? I'd rather be a, a doormat in the house of the Lord. To enjoy, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of um, Psalms. The book of Psalms, the 84th Psalm. This is on page 640 in a church Bible. It's one thing about all the great things that great men have done over the years. But you're not going to be rewarded for anything that some great man somewhere has done. You're not going to be Give an account for all those people you envy or jealous of. You see, you are going to give an account to God for what you did or did not do. Now, it's getting more personal. Don't worry about comparing yourself with what somebody else is doing or not doing. Judging yourself and commending yourself by others, God says, is not Wise. But people do it. So that's why Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, he said, I do not judge something before the time because he says, I don't know anything against myself. He says, but I'm not the judge. 
He says, but when he shall appear, then he will give to every man praise, honor, and glory. Because God is going to judge every man. You see, going to heaven is free. That's the gift of God. We go to heaven because he loved us. But now, living in this life, we get to show God how much we love him. Now, he showed us how much he loves us. Now, we are supposed to show him how much we love him. So if you serve the Lord, it's revealing how much you love the Lord. When you don't serve the Lord, it means that you don't love the Lord. Because if you love the Lord, he said, if you love me, serve me. And any man serve me, him will my father honor. So you're going to serve the Lord according to who you love and how much you love him. And some people can take the free gift of eternal life because that shows you how much God loves you. But then they may never love God because many people fall in love with the pleasures of the world. They love the world. They want the applause of the world. And they live for the world to get whatever the world has to offer. And because there's a devil out there that wants to use these trinkets, he lures God's people away from the love of God. And that's why you have to be careful. But in the 84th Psalm, he makes a statement here. Look in verse 2. He said, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Now remember, they had the tabernacle. David did in his day. Solomon, who came after him, they built a big, beautiful temple called Solomon's Temple. But David says he loved going into the tabernacle. He loved meeting with God's people. Then he makes a statement in verse 4. Blessed are they, and you ought to underline this, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. The thing that keeps you praising the Lord is keep being where you're supposed to be. Did you know that I look forward to every Sunday morning? I can't hardly wait to Sunday to show up. I love coming on Sunday night. Did you know that every Sunday afternoon, you know, they put stuff on TV trying to get little old Yankee? You know, they'll show golf and they'll show the, the tournaments and the Masters and the PGA and all. And they do it on a Sunday afternoon. The climax is always ending at 6 o'clock. Have you noticed that? And what time does our church service start? 6 o'clock. Hold, hold just a minute. I want to see who won. But there is a temptation in all the, all the ball games on Sundays. You know, you ever notice how many people are sitting in all the stands around the world, around the United States especially? All those people, and most of them, if the game starts at 12 or something like that, well, they already, most of them miss church. Do you think there's a possibility that the things of this world can become an idol? That you worship the pleasures of this world, things of this world, and it can take the place of your love for the Lord? Anyway, I've always thought it was wonderful and interesting watching how people demonstrate whatever they love, whatever it is. And so he makes this statement also down here in verse 10. He says, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And then notice verse 11. He says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. 
Now, underline this part of the verse. If you don't have this part of the verse underlined, shame on you. You ought to have it underlined. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Learning to trust God. Now, nobody can do this for you. It's an individual thing. It's something that every one of us has to decide. Who do I love? And how do I show God that I love him? And one of the best ways is, of course, being found faithful to serve him. Doing what he wants us to do, where he wants us to do it, for as long as he wants us to do it. And love the Lord more. You see, most of our problems come because the things of the world are hard to get, hard to keep, and great sorrow when you lose them. And those are where most people's griefs and sorrows come from. Because they're trying to get something that maybe they don't need. Trying to hang on to something they don't need. And they get sorrow when they lose something that, uh, well, if it's losable, why not latch on to something that is not losable? You see, Christ says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. Doesn't know what he said? So the most important thing in all my life is the Lord himself. And I can't lose him. So if I lost everything else, I hadn't lost him. I still got the main thing. I got God. I, I got him. And I can trust him. He's the one that determined whether I lived or died. And he's the one that sent his son to down the cross and pay for my sins. No man, I don't owe any man that loyalty. I owe it to him, the one who died for me. So when you put it in the right perspective, serving the Lord is such a blast. I've heard that people get on drugs and trying to get a high. See, I've never been on drugs like that. So I've never been high. I, when I was in a hospital and I had surgery, they gave me some stuff that sent me out of this world. <laughs> I mean, I had weird dreams that wouldn't, you wouldn't believe, and it scared me half to death, and I couldn't get out of it. It was like I'd have a crazy dream, and I'd wake up, and then I'd go back to sleep and dream the same dream all over again. It was like there's no end to it, and I went to sit with my mama one day when she was in the hospital after she had opened heart surgery, and mama, she says, Jakey, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I said, Mama, why? She said, they're trying to kill me. I said, who's trying to kill you? The nurses, everybody in the doctors, they're trying to kill me. Get me out of here. That was my last night of staying with my mom at the hospital. I got my sisters and others to come up. She saw things running around the room and all kinds of drugs will do crazy things to people. And yet there's some people that get on drugs and they give them a high. Now, I don't know what this high is, but I can't think of anybody having more joy in their life. More pleasure than what I've had just knowing the Lord and serving God. Do you realize the peace and the joy, the love, the happiness that you can have by putting God first in your life? There's no drugs that can give that to you. It might lift you up, but it'll let you down. God has never let me down. But anyway, I could get carried away here. When I get carried away, there's a song they used to sing. <laughs> when I get carried away, one of these days I'm going to get carried away. Next Sunday, don't let me forget. Next Sunday, I'm going to do something that Hank Lindstrom always did. That's what I was told. Is that everybody stands up and they put their arms out, and then you go like this. Because the rapture could take place at any moment. And I want everybody to be ready to fly away. Because we're going to fly, fly away. Wouldn't it be great? But now, I want you to notice in Psalms 85. Uh, let's, let's go to Psalms 26. Psalms 26. Just turn over there to 26th Psalm. In the 26th Psalm, you'll notice the word I mentioned an awful lot. 
Because as David writes here, see, whenever you, um, you want something to feed your soul, when you some, want something to warm your heart, well, that's why you read the Psalms. But whenever, you know, you want to do something, you want some activity, read the book of Acts. If you want to gain wisdom, study the book of Proverbs. You see, different books are to work upon your mind in a different way. And there's a lot of things that seems to go wrong. So God allowed a man like David that everything went wrong before he became king. And he had to run for his life. We wanted to kill him. And, and then later on, the son turned against him. He had all the heartache and the sorrow. Well, God used all that and told him to write it down. And how God got him through it. So when you face all these difficulties, then read the Psalms. And what does somebody else do? And you'll find out that, you know, God can protect and defend you. But notice what he says in Psalms 26. He says, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. You ought to underline that phrase. You don't want to slide. You don't want to fall. Keep trust in the Lord. Put your eyes upon the Lord. In verse 2, examine me, O Lord. Remember, we often say an unexamined life is not worth living. So you always want the Lord to examine you, examine your life. And it doesn't hurt you every once in a while to look at yourself and examine yourself. How am I doing? Am I close to the Lord? Am I walking the way God wants? Is there things in my life that are not right? This is why we want to know the Word of God, study the Word of God, because God wants you to live a godly, holy life. And you can't do that and please God if you don't know what pleases God, when you don't know His will, because you don't know His Word. So he also says down through here, I, in verse 4, have not sat with vain persons, neither have I go in with dissemblers. He said, I hated the congregation of evildoers. In verse 6, I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I, I compass thy altar, O Lord, that I may publish with... You see, whenever you make up your mind and you've dedicated yourself to the Lord about what you are going to do, you can't answer for everybody else. Over the years, I, I love trying to get kids to dedicate their lives to serve the Lord. But i got to make sure that I serve the Lord. However close I want those kids to be, and you got to memorize verses. i got to make sure, did I, do I memorize verses? Do I know the Word of God? And so he says here in verse 8, Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Isn't that a good verse? Verse 11, he said, but as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. This reveals your character. It's not only when people can see you, which is how you get your reputation, but your character is what you will do when nobody else is around. A godly man still does what is godly when nobody else knows. When he can take a vacation and go 3,000 miles away and nobody knows who he is. What's your character? They say that your reputation is what people know you to be in the daylight. But your character is revealed when things go dark. That's why we sometimes we watch people to see how they handle pressure. Because it reveals your character that you have. Do you really trust the Lord? Oh, I'm just trusting the Lord. And then you cry yourself to sleep every night. And you worry yourself sick. But I'm trusting the Lord, but you're falling apart. Something's wrong with that picture. Now, I want you to look there in the 27th Psalm. The 27th Psalm, we covered this about seven, eight years ago. But there's something that I want you to notice. In this Psalm, I want you just to notice these words. 
the word me, the word I, the word my, the word mine, and see if you find any of those words down through here. Because, see, serving the Lord and walking with the Lord is a personal thing. What does God mean to you? You see, if you love the Lord, you'll love his word. Because you want to please the Lord and you won't mind studying it to find out, how can I please the one I love? So you study the scriptures. Now just notice what he says here. You see, the first point that I just want to make out over all of this is the Lord is the light of my life. The Lord is the light of my life. And then because of that truth, therefore, down in verse 6, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifice of joy. And I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. In other words, verse 6 and the rest of this chapter is because the Lord is the light of my life. And no one can make this happen to you. No one can make you fall in love with somebody. You know, words. Uh, it's like <laughs> you fall in love with this person. You just you don't make that happen. It's just you know you see each other and and there's a certain thing that happened. If you oh we're in love, all right, and then that leads to marriage and the baby carriage and all that. You know this song. Look at verse one. Verse one, the Lord is my light. And my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Bob, are you going to sing that? Someday. First time I heard that song was Bob Brooks sung this song. But I believe it was in Colorado. I don't know if I've had, you haven't sung it since you've been here, have you? I don't think so. But the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom then shall I fear? If I had Bob's voice, whom then shall I fear? It's a great song. And so you got to get that down, Bob. They need to hear you sing that song because it's a powerful song. And he's the strength of my life. But you see, a lot of people are living a weak Christian life because the Lord is not the strength of their life. And remember, he talks about the joy and happiness and all this stuff. Well, see, that's because the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when you're happy in the Lord, now you may not walk around every day with a smiley face, but you can find something to smile about just about everything that happens in life. I remember some guy called me up not long ago. He says, that pastor, he says, I got some good news and I got some bad news. <laughs> I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. I said, no, you just got some news. I said, whether it's good or bad depends upon whether or not you accept it as a stepping stone or a stumbling block. So everybody has news. Something happens all the time. Have you ever, you know, the phone rings? Oh, no. Bad news. Why? Because the phone rings. You know it's bad news. It's automatic bad news. Sometimes somebody knocking on my door. Can I talk to you? I think, uh-oh. And it's always bad news, right? No, it's not always bad news. It's news, but it's not always bad news. You see, we are built to be negative. But serving the Lord sees what caused you to be positive. Positive. I know it's bad news. <laughs> no. 
So you learn to put your confidence and your trust in the Lord. And so whenever we would sing that song, of course, you know, right across the page is another song. See there in uh, the 25th Psalm, uh, look in verse 1. Unto thee, O Lord. You know how that goes? Do I lift up my soul unto thee, O Lord. And blah, 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 however it goes. I just know there's song. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. But there's people who write songs from the word of God. And there's beautiful songs. But one of the things that helps you to sing is because you can see the rainbow through the rain. You know, that I ought to write a song about that. See the rainbow through the rain. In other words, there's always problems, but you see a rainbow, a silver lining. You just know something good is going to come out of this. And you believe that and you keep going. Otherwise, you let the things of this world just get you down and so discouraged, so depressed. Man, I don't want to live. And there's people that want to check out of this world. Lord, stop the earth. I want to get off. Well, but notice that verse 1 of chapter 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Now, he may not be for you, but he is for me. And you can't make that work for somebody else. That's something they have to grow into and learn the word of God. But notice what he says. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell because the Lord is my protector. Verse 3, though an host shall encamp against me, are there going to be things against you? Then the Lord is my comforter. My heart, my, shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. He's going to be confident. And so all these things, regardless of what happened. See, we think we're supposed to have all of that if nothing's going wrong. Nothing's going wrong. Everything is going wonderful. Well, some things are not wonderful in life. There's wicked people, and we live in a wicked world, and some things just, well, can maybe upset you and disappoint you and all that. But how are you and the Lord getting along? You see, when you're really getting along with the Lord, it doesn't matter. Because some things you can't change. But you don't have to let the things of the world change you. That's why he says, be not conformed to the world. It means the world changed them, made them like the world. But you transformed means it's an inside job. Conformed by the world, it's an outside job. So when you have the Holy Spirit living within you, he conforms you to the image of his son. And so he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may consider or discover what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. So you have to renew the mind to transform your life to the will of God. So going back here to the book of Psalms 27, he says this in verse 4. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord. So the Lord is and should be my desire. My desire. He said, that will I seek after. That means that there's something that God has for me. This is my future. My future is I desire and I want the will of God for my life. But you see, when you don't have 
visions of accomplishing something, doing something you have no purpose for today. But you know that you put your confidence in the Lord and God gives you a reason, a motive, a purpose for living your life. So he says this, and this is a good statement here in verse 4. He said that um, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Means to search, inquire, to seek, the desire, your future. See, all of this is a personal thing that nobody can do for you and nobody can take this away from you. So he made this statement in verse 4, one thing that I desire of the Lord, that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is something that's a personal thing. All these personal pronouns that you find all the way down through here. Now look in verse 5. Verse 5, 4, in the time of trouble. Boy, I'm glad I never have none of that. Do you ever have trouble? Do you fear trouble? I was told, never trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. And tribulation worketh, um, what's that word? Tribulation worketh patience. It means you don't get what you want when you want it. You don't achieve what you want when you want it. That's why sometimes you don't get, it seems like, all the money you need when you want it. You don't get the health that you want when you want it. You don't get, you get a lot of, you, when, you want, when you want it. But you can realize this. The Lord may be late, but he's never late. He may delay, but he's never late. He's delayed because of your timetable, but he's not late because of his timetable. You see, you're not working on the same one as God does. And that's why David wrote also in the psalm, he said, Lord, help thou me speedily. I wonder what that means. It means now. Lord, help me now. Well, he makes a statement here in verse 5. This is your spiritual fortress. See that word pavilion? It's your hiding place. It's when there's trouble in the world, where do you run? Now, if you had a rich uncle and every time you had, you know, financial needs, well, I got my rich uncle over here and I always run to my rich uncle and he gives me money. Wouldn't that be nice to have? Or, you know, that person's always got what I need. And so you run to that person or you run to this person. Isn't it nice when you have people that can meet all these needs? That's why I said, I never have to have a boat. I just need a friend that's got a boat. Anybody here got a boat? Because <laughs> if you got a boat, I got a boat. And I don't have to have a home in all the states in America. I just need a friend there that's got a home. Because if I'm their friend, hello, vacation time. You'd be surprised how many people up in Georgia realize that they have a, a Florida home since I moved here. And they might come to visit. So we tell them we're never home. But see, I don't need an airplane. I just want a friend that's got an airplane. I heard that Dr. Hank Lindstrom, when he came over to camp a couple of times, Bruce flew him over there. So when I came down here, I found out Bruce was still, you know, fixing and air, working in airplanes. And I never got him to fly me anywhere. And now he's done quit and he's retired and I don't have a plane anymore. But God doesn't have to give you everything. It's just like you don't have to 
know everything. You just need to know where the library is. Oh, you need to know how to work on Google. You'd be surprised at all the questions you may have, and you go to Google and ask them a question, and I am still amazed at how it can do that so fast and give you an answer for all kind of stuff. And I didn't understand that until Betty started asking these questions. I'm driving down the road, and she's asking this stupid phone all these questions. And then she knows it says blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. I used to think all these things was of the devil totally. I didn't care for anything about the Internet. I didn't want to touch anything that did with computers because this is all, it's all of the devil and WWW World Wide Web. And I'm not getting caught up in their web. <laughs> and then everybody started these emails. and like Nobody would write me any letters anymore. <laughs> and I said, honey, I'm not getting any mail anymore. She says, you don't send any. And I find out, you know, it's expensive mailing, but this, this, this email, it don't cost you anything. Well, anyway, I have educated myself a little bit more, and so I know a little bit more about how this stuff works. And so it can be used good and bad, but there's a lot that I don't know. Probably a lot of stuff I wish I'd never learned. Look at the last part of verse 5. You ought to underline it. He shall set me up on a pile of sand. Upon a what? Upon a rock. You see, this is why studying the Word of God, nobody can make you strong in the Lord. If you're weak in the Lord, there, do what it takes to make you strong. There's things you don't know. To grow in the Lord means you grow. And you grow by the study of the Word of God. And it says to feed upon the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 2, that you may grow thereby. Grow thereby by the Word of God. Now, verse 6 to the rest of this is talking about because of all this Security that I have in the Lord because of my decision to dedicate myself to him. That's why I tied chapter 26 in with chapter 27 because I made a decision. And this is what I did. This is why I did it. Now because of that, I, I want to thank the Lord. Because you should always be thankful. One man told me this one time, and I, and I like the statement. If you only had tomorrow... What you told God you were thankful for yesterday, what would you have today? I thought, man, I wouldn't have very much. Because I'm not the one that's always so thankful to the Lord. You know, I just take it for granted because if I serve the Lord, God's going to bless me. Thank you, Lord. And I'm moving on. But to stop sometimes and say, Lord, thank you so much for my wife. Of all the women that I've ever met in my whole life, I've never met one quite like her. Lord, I want to keep her as long as possible. She says that we're going to die at the same time. And ever since then, I've talked to the Lord about that. <laughs> if, if you want to keep me around here long enough, because I've got to bury everybody. But anyway, we'll move right along. Look in verse 5. For in the time of trouble, excuse me, verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up among mine enemies round about me. This is why you'll see in the book of uh, Hebrews in chapter 12. He says, like, lift up your head. Put a spring in your step. Lift up the hands that are falling down. Don't you realize you are a child of God? Don't be down. Don't be disappointed. Don't be discouraged. Don't quit. Just always keep serving God. And so he says, the word therefore, you ought to underline the word therefore. Therefore now, he's going to tell you something. 
In view of all this that he said before this, therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. In other words, I want God to see how joyful I am. Because my joy reveals my trust in him. Do you think God gets up this morning and he says, oh boy, you don't look very happy today. Are you excited? Are you excited? I've often wondered, can I make God's day? One day I had a person call me on the phone that, that listened to the radio broadcast in Colorado. It was just, just this week. And she was ranting and raving because she heard one of my sermons. She'd been listening for a couple of years, but she heard a good one. <laughs> and she had to call me up and let me know that she heard a good one. And I said, ma'am, you have made my day. Now, there's been several times that I have told people, you know, you made my day. You made my day. And I've wondered... I wonder if I could just make God's day. I mean, look who God is. And if God knows what I'm going through and how things are and all that, can I please God? Can I bring joy? I mean, if I can grieve the Holy Spirit, if I can cause him grief, can I cause him joy? But I never thought about it from that point of view before. I'm always concerned about me. But I wonder today, how can I please God? I want God to be pleased with me today. I want God to be happy with me today. I want God to have joy because of me today. Can I bring that to God? I don't know. I've never thought about it before. But is it such a crazy thing to think about? Well, anyway, he says... I will offer the sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. You know, if God says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord and sing unto the Lord. Do you think God wants us to sing and then him not listen? Do you think while ago, while the firehouse five was singing, God was up there listening. And here is, here is Bob Gilbert pouring out his heart Singing in that voice of his. When nobody else was singing with him, he was like all alone. Do you think God's up there? Man, that sounds good. Boy, that sounds great. I'm going to bless that old boy. Can we bring joy to God? Do you realize when you walk around and you're always moping and groaning and pining and complaining, do you think that could cause grief to God? Grief to the Holy Spirit? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Did you know that he talks about we don't forgive one another and love one another? We cause him grief. Because that's not what he wants. He doesn't want us grieving other children of God. And realize that everybody else who's trusted Christ as Savior, they're precious in God's eyes. That's a child of God. And I'll tell you this. You need to be careful how you treat God's children. Not just you. Y'all be careful how you treat me. Well, I better be careful how I treat you. Goes both ways, don't it? I better be careful how I treat you and how I talk to you. And am I kind? Am I considerate? Or am I just a big old mean dictator and don't care about anybody else? No, no, no. Got to be careful. So he goes down through here and he says in verse 8. Look at verse 8. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Isn't that a good statement? You ought to underline that. Thy face, Lord, 
will I seek? I'll seek God's face. I want God's will on everything that I do. Look in verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. See, I want to know and I want to walk. Because I want to know and because I want to walk there. I want to know the will of God. Why? Because I want to walk in it. Some people want to know the will of God so they can see whether or not I want to do it or not. See, if it's better than what the world offers me. No, I want to know the will of God because I have all intentions of walking whatever it is and wherever it leads. Not that I can compare it with the world. I don't care what the world has to offer. I only want this one thing, and I know that it'll be better in the long run. Then he makes a statement here in verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. Think about that. I would have quit. Fainted. I mean, I would have quit. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. In this world in which we live. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Can you see the goodness of God in this world? The goodness of God's hand in your life. As I look back over my life, I can see how God has been so good to me. He's been so good to me. Why should I do anything else but seek to serve the Lord and to honor Him for all that He has done for me? Look in the verse 14, the first part of that says, and you ought to unlight it. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Same thing that's mentioned in the book of Joshua chapter 1. Now look up here. If you're watching by internet, this is the most important thing that I'll say all night. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us, wants us to have eternal life. He wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to be with him. But you see, because of sin, God can't let us in. Because if we go to heaven with sinful nature like we have here, we'll do up there what we've done down here. We messed it up down here, didn't we? Well, if he lets us go the way we are, we'll mess it up up there. And God's not going to run that risk. So he says, you cannot come. you got a debt to pay. He says, you cannot earn eternal life because you're already condemned. So all your good works doesn't matter. you you got a debt. you got to pay the debt. And the way he says death, so you got to die and be separated from God. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. But when he took our sins... He knew he was going to die because our sins were placed upon him. And he died in our place and came back from the dead. And God said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put the payment he made to our account. And we get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. There's no trick to it. There's no gimmick to it. Salvation, going to heaven, is the gift of God. God loves us that much. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him right now? Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I'm going to ask you if you will trust Christ as your Savior. And then I'm going to ask you if you will raise your hand and let me know. Raising your hand does not save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you, and I'd like to have prayer for you. So in the quietness of this moment, is there anyone at all say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ right now as my Savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Yes, God bless you, buddy. God bless you. 
Once you trust Christ as Savior, God bless you, you can put your hand down. Once you trust Christ as Savior, he said he'll never cast you out and never lose you. You're his child. And yet, understand there's a, a life to live. God wants to be as close to you as anything could ever be. He wants to walk with you through life. And then whenever we get ready to die, he's going to, he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And then he's going to take us home to heaven. And you never have to be afraid. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, I pray that you would. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for the individuals that indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust you as Savior tonight. By doing so, they become your child. You never cast them out and never lose them. And Father, we're thankful for the opportunity we have as your children to read your word and realize that you want us to love you. You want us to walk with you. You want to spend time talking to us through your word. So we ask your blessings upon this church, every person here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.